Welcome to Without the Hustle, the podcast that aims to equip you with everything you need to start and grow your business on the side without the hustle. I'm Emily Tyson. I'm a side business coach based in London. I have a background in marketing and I've had three side businesses while working full time. I'm a huge advocate for the anti-hustle approach to building a business because I personally know what it's like to have a chaotic, stressful full-time job while trying to build a business on the side and build a future for yourself. So let's jump in to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Without the Hustle podcast. Today I'm joined by Georgie who is a somatic nutrition and behavioural therapist. Georgie's ethos is everything touches everything. So if we have a scarcity mindset around money then it's likely we'll have a scarcity mindset around other things like love and relationships. Everything touches everything. So I hope you enjoy. I'm Georgie. Uh, In a very long-winded way, I'm a psychosomatic nutritional and behavioral therapist. Um, I'm yet to find one word that sort of encapsulates all of this in a a way that will fit also into my Instagram bio. But the essence of what I do in short is basically I'm interested in our relationships, uh, predominantly with our emotions and how that affects what we do, our programming, our behavior, also how that affects our relationship then with food and how we can digest food and assimilate food. Also our relationship with our bodies, how that impacts everything else. And my ethos really is everything touches everything. So our relationship with food will impact our relationship with money, with our business, with our emotions, how we've stored trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's what I do. And I work one-to-one with 12 to 17 year olds. Uh, And I also work with women. I run retreats, but I also have one-to-one clients who we have a sort of more, uh, I guess, intensive uh, journey over 12 weeks where we really explore each of those relationships and understand how emotions are playing a role in our lives and also what we eat and how we think about ourselves as human beings and our bodies on this earthly plane. Do you have any examples or kind of common themes our greatest ill and we are in a time where we can be told that we are dying of everything we can google a symptom and it can lead us down a rabbit hole where we're then petrified that we have a month to live but I really believe that it's much simpler than that and our greatest ill is really the disconnection there we're totally disconnected from our bodies and what it needs and I think in an ideal scenario actually people wouldn't need a therapist or a nutritional therapist or someone like me like that would be my ultimate goal to work with someone for however long but then ultimately they don't need to keep coming back so for example say someone is suffering with recurring digestive issues for example they've tried every different diet out there they've tried therapy they've tried hypnotherapy they've tried different exercise routines but what they haven't yet done is really formed a stronger bond with their body and understood what those symptoms could be indicative of what their body could be trying to tell them the unique language of their body so that digestive discomfort 
could be something like unresolved grief from childhood, for example. But we're trying to deal with very external ways in which to cure and heal ourselves rather than looking inwards, rather than understanding that when our body is in a stress response, which can be from a point of view from childhood unresolved grief, as this example, then our body's going to be in this sort of like tight fight or flight mode when we eat we're not going to be able to digest food we're not going to be able to assimilate food properly and that can in turn create havoc in our digestive tract so it's I think it's much simpler than we've made it now and we are so reliant on other people's opinions and other people's guidance and we've lost that thing of the gut instinct um and actually often I hear clients say like, you know, I, I had a, I had an intuition that this was wrong, but my doctor said, oh no, you're too young for this or, you know, anything like that. Or I Googled this and it said it couldn't possibly be this kind of intolerance or whatever it might be. And actually when I encourage them to follow that gut instinct, they actually come to um, a place where actually they realize that does help what they initially thought was wrong or going on. They were actually correct. And so just with that incident, I think if we start listening to that a little bit more and listening when our body's telling us or our nervous system is telling us, get off your phone, get off screens, don't listen to music today, like we become more of a guardian of our senses, then our body responds accordingly. So that's, that's the ultimate goal really, is that we all are able to do that without any external um, affirmation, validation, we're able to explore that ourselves and really understand that language and the um, message and symptoms and things that we're experiencing. It's so hard now that we have things like, I mean, it's, it's great, but it's also hard when you have things like Google and everyone's mm. kind of like, you know, they self-diagnose and I'm definitely guilty of that too. And you feel something in your body that doesn't feel right. And then you go immediately to Google and then there's so many things that it could be. And then I find mm. I then tune into that and I'm like, well, it must be this rather than kind of just tuning in and listening and yeah, doing mm -hmm. that. Definitely. And I, something I've learned from working with teenagers is that actually we're becoming more and more um, we love a label. We love a diagnosis. We love to call it something. For some reason, that gives us some sense of home and understanding rather than just, you know, saying, oh, we're multifaceted beings. And every day we experience an array of emotions, an array of feelings and things move and come and go through our bodies or our minds or our experience or whatever. We experience one thing. We attach ourselves to it. Like, oh, like you said, like exactly like you say, or it must be this rather than actually if you sat with it and sort of maybe did some deep breathing stretched a bit or something like oh it's gone <laughs> you know <laughs> and before that we've created this whole story about our identity and what it means and who we are now and what our body is now and um that attachment to those things creates new belief systems and so your brain starts thinking oh okay it must be that because she's telling me or he's telling me it is this I am this and our brains are really primitive and actually quite basic. You know, they don't know the difference between imagined and real. So when we're constantly hearing these same words over and over again, or oh, you've got this, you've got this, this is your diagnosis, uh, we believe it. And so our body acts accordingly. That's the placebo effect, essentially. And there's enough research for us to know how powerful that placebo effect is. Yeah, I recently read you can heal your life by Louise Hay oh, yeah. and she talks about 
how all pain and disease in the body it stems from fear or anger mm-hmm. and it it blew my mind and I I realized this could be quite a controversial topic for some people um but I was really interested in learning about that and kind of experimenting myself because I I have IBS um but also I'm just looking at myself on the screen and my glasses you know I wear glasses and she talks about eyesight and things like that and I was just yeah curious what you thought about that if that's related in some way this kind of idea that yeah we can heal ourselves with our minds because there is lots of scientific evidence and and studies and people who who have gone down that path So I started out in the health and wellness field as purely a nutritional therapist. Like that was my first training. And especially uh, a couple of years ago and during the first year of the pandemic, I worked on a health app as well as having my own clients. I worked on a health app. So I was dealing with in any given week, three to 400 people. And it becomes very clear to you very quickly that most people know what they should be eating in order to thrive, in order for their their unique body to feel energetic, vibrant, vital. They knew what they should be eating in order to achieve that state. The problem came with how do I implement it? How do I overcome this huge, enormous emotional weight and barrier I've placed around food Because when you have an addiction or when you have something that triggers you, if it's, for example, alcohol, you can say to someone, okay, don't go to parties, just don't go to the pub, just avoid your triggers for a period of time until the weight of them lessens. With food, we can't do that. We need food to survive. So um, through, through working these hundreds of people, I was like, you know, nutrition isn't really the problem here. Yes, it's part of the equation, but it's not actually the root cause of the problem. The root cause of the problem is these people's emotions, the emotions they've attached to food, the story they've attached to their bodies, their weight, what weight means, et cetera, et cetera. So when I started dealing, working with emotions and understanding the psychosomatic link and working in that field, that's when I saw more longer term shifts. Unless I was holding someone's hand for an entire year and guiding them every single day, then that long-term change wasn't happening with purely a nutritional protocol. But working with the emotions and reprogramming the brain in that way and the stories we've attached to symptoms, to food, to what we think about our body, to illness. Are we afraid of death? Are we afraid of suffering? Have we seen other people suffer? So for me, that's where it comes into the power of the brain, because for me, it's less about, you know, just close your eyes and think of positive things and positive things will happen. It's more about understanding where that conditioning has come from and creating new new neural pathways going in and rewiring them, essentially. And if you think about when you eat, everything we do in life is a cycle. We eat and it comes back. You know, we eat and we poop. It's a flow. it's, It's circular we drink and we pee and waste products come out and it's really the same with experiences and emotions that they come in we experience them on an every every single day be them our own or other people's but when we don't provide that outlet for them to come back out again they get stuck they store 
And so that's where you might hear, you know, people like Louise Hay or Joe, Joe Dispenza talk about things like, for example, tumours accumulating as stored emotions, because that's a, a, it's quite literally a block. It, stuff has come into your body and there has been nowhere for it to come out, such as stored anger. So, I, I mean, I, I love Louise Hay and I'm a big fan of Joe Dispenza. And um, I, I guess my understanding of their teachings is that it is the power of the brain in the sense that how it's reacting to what we've accumulated over our lifetime, be that a belief pattern or believe, be that, uh, you know, you can physically feel when you're afraid, for example, it's a very much a physical, visceral reaction. Anyone who has anxiety will tell you that. It's not just in their mind, the heart beats faster, they get a tight throat. You know, if you're gonna do public speaking, your throat constricts, it's, it's, it's a physical reaction. All of that is sending chemical instructions to your body, to your hormones, to your body to do certain things. You know, it might be saying, we're about to be eaten, run, and so that's why you feel that fight or flight thing is from our evolutionary conditioning. So that would be my understanding of that, that yes, the brain's incredibly powerful, but it's actually more just responding to what we've experienced and put into and stored our bodies. And where food comes into that is that if we have a very, very wired nervous system and on top of that, we're consuming loads of caffeine or alcohol um, or processed foods that our body literally looks at it and goes, what is this? I don't know what to do with that. I'm just going to have to put it in your hips because it's safer for me to put it there than run it through your vital organs, for example. Um, and that for me, that's more where food comes in. So that would be my understanding of her teachings and people like her. I was just thinking about how, when you were talking about that anxiety and and that feeling and and how when we we know what's right for our bodies in terms of food and nutrition and I am so guilty of I I um I am quite an anxious person and I love coffee and some mornings mm-hmm. I'll think oh, I feel I feel you know my my heart's beating really fast I shouldn't have this coffee but I do <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's my habit it's my routine and it's something that I know that some days, you know, I shouldn't have it, but I just do. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting hearing that. Just, just for like, just so people don't think I'm up here on my like pedestal being like, you guys are all disconnected. I am the same. <laughs> like when it comes to anxiety, I am been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Like my journey into the health field, like I used to work in television. My journey into the health field started when I was 24 and I had a massive anxiety period, should we say. And I was just like, what is going on? And at that point I started looking at my diet and it made such a huge difference what I ate mm. that I was like, oh, I'm, this is actually really interesting to me. And I really started studying nutrition in the body as like a, basically an expensive hobby at that point. <laughs> it was just, I was just fascinated by how my whole body had reacted. I was feeling sick after I was eating. And so I looked at my diet for that symptom, but by addressing that symptom, my anxiety also massively lessened. So I am, you know, I have been through this and anxiety is something that, again, it's like I said, we've, it's kind of a label I've given myself a bit and that's something I explore quite a bit, but it's definitely something that I deal with on a day-to-day basis in the sense that if I don't 
do certain things like connect to myself in the morning, um, like check in with my body, what it needs, um, what it requires. If I don't have this proactive approach to it, then, then it rears its head. You know, and I mean, I, I've looked at anxiety in many ways over the years now. One of them is, you know, it's is such a blessing. One thing I want to try and get my clients to do is really have a love affair with every facet of their being. So even if it's painful, what can that show you? The fact that I'm anxious means that I'm such, I feel everything. And that can be such a beneficial tool for me when I'm working with clients, especially young people because they are blocking that off with all these screens and, you know, and every opportunity, they just don't want to feel, they're terrified of feeling. And so my anxiety has taught me to tune into every single emotion. It, so be it, if that means, you know, that changes every minute. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, that's one side of it, but it's also taught me to really connect to my body because like you, I love coffee. It's a ritual for me. I mean, take away my one daily flat white and I feel really sad. But at the same time, there are days like you where I'm like, my body's going to me, don't do it, Georgie. Walk out, go away, <laughs> walk away from the counter. And and it is a practice to listen to that, definitely. It, yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really relate to just stepping away from the screens and tuning in and, and listening. And I have been working on my anxiety in terms of mindset and having that routine for myself in the mornings um and just going out for walks without my phone and at first that felt really strange because you rely so heavily or I relied so heavily on my on my phone and it's just given me such I don't even know how to describe it apart from just this kind of like euphoric state of calm mm. <laughs> without yeah. having that thing in my hand all the time so yeah I'm gonna start doing that with coffee and yeah, <laughs> listening yeah. to that voice yeah something I learned from Elizabeth Gilbert who I just mm. absolutely adore as well um was to be a guardian of your senses that's a, a sentence that she said actually um and that that to me means that we're such an overstimulated society right now you know like videos online last a couple of seconds and we're on to the next one it's constant constant stimulation that when we take away that constant stimulation constant dopamine hit we it, it feels so unfamiliar we register that as fear we're like oh oh my gosh like it's just me and my thoughts and it's kind of scary so being a guardian of your senses means that like protect your senses sometimes that even means like classical music that day is too much you know like where is your nervous system what are you seeing what are you inviting into your body because your brain if you're watching tv registers that as actual people as actual conversations our brains don't understand screens so much like let alone the blue light it's registering this as constant information a constant feed and so if you think about on any given day, like how often do you not have this feed coming in? Um, so that, that, that sentence has really helped me, like watching, being mindful of what I'm inviting in. If you live alone, do you really live alone or do you constantly have the radio or television on? You know, because if you do, you're not actually alone. 
Um, so just be mindful of that. That's really helped me. In terms of building your business, can you talk us through the process of that and how it's been for you and what you've learned along the way? Yeah, so I, like I said, I was, I worked in television actually for 13 years before I started building this business. Um, And one thing I noticed is that this has felt a lot harder, like working in TV and whether it's my age, like, you know, I started working TV when I was 19. I think I got to 27 when I started studying nutrition and part of me probably had this expectation that I shouldn't have to be a beginner again. I should just sort of step into it and it'll all go boom, 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 boom and work out. Also, I hadn't ever had my own business. I hadn't, hadn't had to be that self-sufficient and motivated and driven. And so for me, it was a massive realization of like, oh my gosh, like actually how do I deal with things when I have to not only motivate myself, but also step into my own fear. I've got no one to go and ask or to, you know, I think everything as in television felt fun and exciting and moving all the time and really this this has been a lot harder for me and I and I I think it's been harder really because uh not only do I have to do every corners of the business but also it's required me to really like step up like Georgie are you ready to face every single fear you've ever had that's going to rear its ugly head and ask you to look at it because unless you look at it you're not going to be able to hold this business. You're not going to be able to hold the revenue that you want to make. You're not going to be able to hold the number of clients. And if you want to have X amount of clients, X amount of money in your bank, you have to be a ready to not only hold that, but also channel it into better things, growth, these sorts of things and so for me it was actually sort of real test of like putting your money where your mouth was putting your dreams where your mouth is and I think when you step into your own business and it's a more of a place of purpose it's like the ultimate personal development course like forget going on any kind of Tony Robbins course like (laughs) building your own business is the ultimate personal development because it really really you can't you can only take your clients where you have gone Mm. so if you're going to work with people you have to do that work first you know and I know everyone's got different kind of businesses but that was that was it for me like I can only take my clients where I have gone or I'm willing to go or I'm at least two steps ahead of because otherwise I can't provide that space for them to get there too so for me, that was just the biggest sort of, I guess, wake up being like, this is going to be your ultimate growth experience. Are you ready? If not, perhaps stay in your job for a bit, a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. And if I think if you're, you can even relate it to product-based businesses as well, because that's, I would say that's um, primarily for service-based business when you're, you know, helping supporting healing in some way but you can also relate it to product-based business because if you're selling something and you haven't healed your your money beliefs or Mm. you know the beliefs about how big you can grow your business or where you want to take your business that still applies doesn't it 
So oh, absolutely. For me, before starting this journey, I had no idea what, <laughs> you know, you know, what it would be like and all of this mindset work that needs to be done and this healing and those layers that, you know, you pull mm. back and you discover so much more. I think where I've come to now after doing this for so many years is that if there is not space in my body or my mind or my life or my house, then there is not space for any of that to come in. There's not space for clients to come in. There's not space for sales to come in. There's not space for, you know, whatever it might be. Ideas, creativity, innovation. I first have to create that space. And so it's been a massive process of untangling any knots I have in that area that could range from decluttering a closet to decluttering my nervous system. And like you say, like your relationship with money is so important when you start a business because until you appreciate that it's all just an energetic exchange, especially in the wellness world, you can have this really icky relationship with it that goes, I can't charge that much for this. Like something I always have is I always feel that having a nutritional therapist or a therapist of any kind is a real privilege. It is still quite a luxury the price point of most people and you have to put that price point because actually it's such an energetically draining and large space that you have to hold for people and the, all the hours and work you put in for example but if you don't have uh, that space in your life or in your head um, and you don't have the understanding that money is is just another form of energy and it is just an exchange and money's not going to come to you or money's not going to people also are going to sniff from a mile off that you are incredibly nervous you don't really believe in yourself or your product or whatever you're trying to sell um, that you have a really poor relationship with money and you don't see your worth you don't see your worth in what you're charging you don't see your worth when you look in the mirror and as I said at the beginning, my ethos is really everything touches everything. So if you're looking in the mirror and going like, oh, you're so fat, you're so this, you're so ugly, like you need to do this, that and the other, otherwise no one's going to like you. That energy is going to be exactly the same with your bank account. That, that, that literally filters into every area of your life. If you have scarcity mindset that you don't have enough in one area, you'll have scarce that will show up. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough clients. You don't have enough knowledge. You don't have enough confidence, whatever it is, which is why it can be really good to work actually on something quite tangible like money or food. Because when you, you know, people often don't don't see that everything in your life shows up on your plate. So when you have a scarcity mindset with money, you can also have a you probably you probably when you eat, there's either not not enough or you feel you're going to run out or you uh sort of maybe are nutritionally quite poor you're a bit malnourished so it, your brain doesn't really register where the emotion is coming from it just registers the emotion so having a business is such like a multifaceted like you've got to realize and recognize all of that and you, you don't you wouldn't go to an an exercise workout class with someone who clearly doesn't look after their body right you wouldn't find that inspiring or motivating but when we're operating 
in the work that we're doing or you're trying to sell a product you're not necessarily the front face of it all the time you feel like you can get away with being like oh I'm just gonna hide in the corner and then say all these horrible things to myself and have this horrible relationship with money post an Instagram post and I'm gonna have an influx of clients and people are all gonna buy my product and it'll be fine but it doesn't work like that like energetics just don't work like that it all comes back to you so it's this constant daily being like clean up your energy clean up your energy clean up your diet clean up your routine and that that's what that's what it is for me and that that's been my greatest lesson really is create space first then also clarity comes creativity comes I mean decision fatigue has been something that I've really had to battle with in business and that limbo of and that that's not a nice place to live so yeah create space and when we allow things out we um can invite more things in how would you say someone can get started with that with cleaning their energy creating space I think most people if I ask them have a good understanding of where their nervous system is at and if you don't some really good things to think about is how's my digestion Like how many times a day do I go to the bathroom? Do I have a good functioning system that allows things in and allows things out? Do I feel spaciousness in my body? Just that question can help. You know, how spacious do you feel in your body? Where are there any sort of stuck, stagnant energy? Where are you feeling tension? And just that sort of sitting and checking in with that. I mean, when I start working with people, we do a two and a half hour long session, first of all. So that you know, is obviously extremely extensive, but it can be just as powerful in retreats I run where it's a group thing where people just sit and go, how am I feeling? Like, where have I got tension? Where have I got a pain? What's the sensations going on in my body? And then then acting on that first sort of thing that comes up, acting on whatever your body shows you where there is a lacking in space or it's a bit congested or it is holding on to tension so for example that might be someone sits and thinks oh I've got real tension in my knees like how can I release this tension in my knees your knees are often about moving forward and stepping in the right direction so perhaps it might just be a walk might be what we've spoken about in terms of removing every sensory stimuli that's around you in that moment going out into nature if it really comes back to start with coming back to yourself put your feet on the ground, close your eyes and check in. And when you ask your body, what do you need? It will respond. But the question is, will you listen? Mm. And it's a practice to start hearing that. It's a practice to start responding to that. It's so basic, basic and it's so powerful. And I think certainly with nutrition clients or people that are struggling with their relationship with food, the most powerful question I can give them is what am I hungry for? So when you feel that hunger, feeling arise that we have only been conditioned to associate with food but like I said our brains know the signal but they don't know where it comes from so what am I hungry for it might be actually you're not hungry for food in that moment you're hungry for love connection you're hungry for some movement so those sort of questions that that self-inquiry is really important and really self-inquiry is really the only and first step that people can start with rather than seeking this information and instructions from anything externally because no one no one knows your body your mind your life like you do it's impossible so it has to be 
sort of questions of the self first. Mm. Wow, I could listen to you talk about this all day. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to share? I would just like to let people know that there is always something easier available to you. There is always something that feels better available to you. I do think that one of the saddest things that I see, especially in teenagers, is that people really lose hope now. And I do think it's because there is just so much information out there. There is so much confusion. There is so much, so many people saying, do this diet, do that. You know, this is how you heal depression. No, this is how you heal depression. And it is so much simpler than that. And I think people really have lost faith with their their own ability to heal. So I just want to reinstill hope in people. It's really quite sad what I'm seeing with the generation below. And I know that if we collectively just actually commit to really understanding ourselves better, then not only are we going to have a more joyful life, but also we're not going to be so afraid of suffering. You know, we won't be so afraid of the hard, like I just said, but also then we'll raise a generation of people who are also not afraid of this thing that is the human journey. And it includes things that are difficult and painful, but we can also love that and understand how that has a place in our experience. So yeah, just be to instill hope back into people really. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. I was actually having a similar conversation the other day with a friend about how I believe that we have a responsibility to inspire the generation below Mm -hmm. who's younger than us and exactly what you just said, like give, give that hope and kind of reassure them that everything's going to be okay and Mm -hmm. it can be okay and you can make a change if you're not happy then you can make a change you absolutely Mm. have control to do that and the the reality is is that we the the most powerful thing we can do for them is to do it for us Mm. because you know like I said we can only take people as far as we have been or willing to go and when we are able to show the generation below as a really small example that you don't need a levels to be you know successful in life yeah. you don't need to be have a massive business to be successful in life success to someone can be having a family yeah you know it's so unique and individual and we're all trying to copy this blueprint that's been written out for us and we feel that resistance to it which shows up as confusion and pain and body aches and things because we're kind of like trying to fit a round peg into a square hole we're all unique and that's okay and we don't have systems that really encourage that uniqueness or nurture that uniqueness but when we when we do it ourselves when we do connect with ourselves and that that's why connecting with self is so important because like I said you're the only person that knows you you're the only person that really knows you So once you do that and you show other people the sort of reaping the benefits of what that looks like, then they can feel, oh, I can do that too. Um, So, yeah, I completely agree that we have we definitely have a responsibility to do that. And everyone wins in this case. It's not like, you know, some sort of worthy martyrdom that we're not going to feel the benefits of this. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's so nice to talk about it. And I love your podcast. Um, and when I think about the word hustle, it's funny because I could I could also talk about this all day. So it's like when you're passionate and you're really interested in something, it just doesn't feel like hustle. It's not associated to the hours. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah I love I love the theme of your podcast and other people's sort of take on what hustle actually means to them. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I completely agree. When you love something, it it just feels effortless. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it really ties in with what you do and listening to your body and everything's connected. You know, when you are in alignment with one thing, then everything just flows. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that's the that's the aim. That's the, the idea, aim. yeah. <laughs> yeah it can be it can be easy hard doesn't have to be synonymous with you know the synonymous with impossible synonymous with it feels horrible we've made hard feel horrible but something hard can be also like an epic challenge which can also feel fun and creative and then eventually easy so it's you know language is as powerful as the meaning we give to it so it's it's an interesting topic where can people find you so you can find me on instagram my handle is walk with women um like i said i'm really really keen about reconnecting people not only to their bodies to um their food to everything around them but also to each other so to planet as well but really to each other and community so walk with women um and you can find my programs and things like that on there um and if you have any questions I'm always uh in my inbox um, which is just hello at walkwithwomen.com so that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed it I would love to hear from you send me a dm or leave a review on this podcast wherever you're listening and I hope you have a good rest of your day